Welcome to the Alpha Romeo Podcast. My name is Ian Bennett, and this week we're going to be talking about news, classics, with Mike Vandenberg, a section called Fire, Grace, Strength, and Speed, from a quote of Fangio, and lastly we'll be talking about the 1900M Mata in the Genius or Luck segment, somehow Alfa Romeo made an off-road 4x4 capable vehicle. And it was amazing. Always, you can contact me at alfaromeopodcast at gmail.com because life is too short to drive boring cars. Let's start with news. Uh, a little bit of whinging, a little bit of news. Uh, what has Alpha been doing lately? So, we're up on the ag- up on the agenda this week. We got a facelifted 2017 Alpha 4C Coupe. Now, the engine's going to remain the same, and most of the body, that's all going to be the same. But there's an anticipated facelift for the 2017 model. You know, I haven't seen anything that they're revealing it in, in, in Switzerland. They're revealing it in the LA Auto Show, or the Chicago Show, or the New York Show. Um, but all they have is spy photos out there uh, from back in April of 2016. You know, there's a white bra-style cover over the front end of the Alpha 4C. And given the model, you know, isn't out there, it's not out on the show circuit showing its true face on any of the press photos for 2017, I think it could be a 2017.5 model year, you know, by this time. I mean, it's already December, let's be honest. And I think it's possible. You know, the real question is, what would they improve on... You know, what would they improve on is really anybody's guess. I mean, the car is gorgeous as it is, but what can you make better in a facelift? Okay, so with that, if you think back to that white bra cover covering the front of the car, what's under that that could be improved? Number one, the grill vents and the grill itself, and then the headlights. The reason these can be improved is that The Julia is coming out, brand new car, brand new model, everything. It has new lights, new grills, and new uh, vents. And I really think that, you know, they might be moving from a fine mesh grill on the 4C to a more coarse one. So the plastic, the holes in the plastic will actually be bigger. Um, Audi did this a while ago. I I really think Alpha is going to do the same thing. I can anticipate the grill to become again more like the Julia's with a larger alpha emblem and a redesigned grill segment number you know get, let's say there's let's say there's seven or eight you know grill segments in the current grill they might go to like a five grill segment so very subtle but but definitely a larger emblem and a redesigned grill segment number um, I guess it gives a more sporty you know, manly appearance because there's there's less fine mesh. Um, the idea is to sync up the 2017 model 4C coupe and, and convertible with the 2017 Julia. Uh, you know, so the front ends look the same. Now, it could also change the lights. Uh, I could I could see Alpha wanting to shrink the look of the lights from that kind of large vertical frog light, frog eyeball kind of light on the front of the car. Um, to something more smaller and compact and sleek and have a more blacked out 
appearance around the around the lights themselves um, so that each individual light stands out within the light pod. Um, I, I think there also could be some LED, you know, perimeter lights to outline the the actual light pod itself, like on the Julia has that same kind of feature. So this is all speculation, of course, but I think we can expect a 2017 front-end refresh of the 4C. Welcome back to the Alpha Male Podcast. I have Mike Vandenberg here, and he's a really good friend of mine in the Memphis area. Has a BMW, has some other great cars in the garage, got a great Jeep. His wife's got a great Jeep. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Mike. Tell me a little bit about yourself. Well, first, Ian, thank you very much for having me. It's really an honor to be here. Heard a lot of great things about the show. Yeah, the show. <laughs> this is the second episode. <laughs> yeah, glad glad I could be a part of it. Thank oh, you. Oh yeah, yeah. So a uh, little bit about me. My name's Mike. I own a BMW. No, oh, um, I have a BMW 550 2011. Very happy with it. Really enjoy it. Uh, I've enjoyed cars all my life, and I one of my very first car experiences was actually when I was 16 years old, and my mom got a new Pontiac. Bonneville, a 1987 Pontiac Bonneville. And the nice thing about that car, although not a lot of power, it had a V6 in it. When you cranked it, it just it had a wonderful sound to it. Really rich, deep exhaust note. I know you're thinking Pontiac just Bonneville. Just the cranking of it? Or the, like it started up? It, yeah, when you cranked it, when it started, when it revved. Okay. It, 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 it automatically gave gas. And automatically oh, revved high. Oh, okay. So it had like a starting sequence. So yes. it would like, yeah. you'd turn it on and like gas would flow in. So no matter what you did, it would always make that Absolutely. Sound. It had yeah. this sound, this growl to it. For, you know, for a Pontiac, it was a, it was a great V6 car. V6 Pontiac yeah. too. Yeah, V6. But it, it obviously it made an impression on me. That was my first really, you know, beyond playing with the Matchbox cars as a kid. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, beyond riding around with my parents, uh, that was my first taste of, Hey, I want to go fast. I want to move. I want right, to handle. Right, right. So yeah, that was it. Not very exciting, no, but it was around the age of I don't 16. Know that everybody has yeah. those like sounds and smells and feelings. I mean, that's, that's a big part of classic car, like ownership. Cause it's always people like flashing back trying to remember what it was like when they were in their parents' cars or in their uncle's car or in their... Whoever you had a car, you had some first car experience. Now, that's going away with the whole electric car and what's happening, what what, what our kids will be driving and what their kids... I don't think our kids' kids will even know how to drive. I mean, that's how crazy it's changing so it'll be interesting to see like what their experience of cars are but certainly our age and like this it matters like the smells and the sounds and what it felt like to be in the car for sure absolutely i couldn't agree more and i think that a lot of the newer electrical cars they have the option where you can actually pump in the sound of an engine and the sound of (laughs) exhaust a v12 yeah because they you know it's it's really lacking from some of the new experiences out there so mike one of the things we always want to talk about with the guests coming on the podcast is what was your first car and what was your experience with your first car either buying it or 
selling it or while you owned it, what was your first car like? Oh, that's a great question. Thank you, Ian. Thank you. You love all the questions. Love it. Oh, so my first car was a 1982 Chevrolet Cavalier. It was a four-door. <laughs> it was painted white. It had a it was one, a white Cavalier. Yes, even better. Yes. It had a 1.8 liter four-cylinder. It was the first okay. year of the Cavalier. Now the second year of the Cavalier, they changed that to a two-liter four-cylinder. Make but sure you had, but you had the first year. I had the first year. Yeah. <laughs> so I remember my dad bought it brand new in 1982. He bought a, a you a brand no, new car. No. I was unable to drive in 1982 because I was 11. However, okay. he uh, so he bought it new. Okay, he okay. bought it for him. Uh, he had a he traded in his Cadillac Sedan Deville. Whoa, which was in 1978. I was going to say, it had yeah. to be like the 78 yeah. DeVille. He, he traded that in for a 1982 Cavalier when we lived in Los Angeles, California, shortly after he had lost his job. Uh, <laughs> because, you know, it kind of sucks to drive through the unemployment line in a Cadillac. Yeah, yeah. It's much and easier in a, in a Cavalier. So uh, he bought it. And then after he got a job, he got a new car, gave that to my mom. And then after my mom got her 1987 Pontiac Bonneville... She gave the Cavalier to my brother, who was three years older than me. And after a couple of years of him driving it, it, it came to me somewhere around, I think, 87, 88, 89. So it's like a there. family car. I mean, like a, It was a hand-me-down. And by the time I got it, it sounded kind of like a lawnmower. I think it was running on three cylinders. <laughs> <I> think- <laughs> <laughs> it was used and abused. And it was many firsts were experienced in that car. And a few lasts were experienced in that car as well. It was a very nice car, very nice experience. Really, for me, brought you know that whole coming of age in America kind of thing. Really wrapped all up in a pretty white Chevrolet Cavalier <laughs> from 1982. <laughs> um, man, so it's a hand-me-down car. It's a family car. Did it ever break down? Like, I feel like it had to have broken down while you were driving it somewhere. Because this is the late 80s. It might have been fuel-injected. It was not. It was not. So you know it was a carbureted, it was, it was carbureted. And as a matter of fact, when you went around a tight turn, if you gave gas, it would stall out. Because there was something wrong with the carburetor. <laughs> the float wouldn't... Um, it, there was, we had to have the engine rebuilt... Uh, there were numerous numerous problems with it. That's why they went from the 1.8 liter to the 2 liter. Um, but it, it always had problems. <laughs> it, but it had real personality. It, it used about a quart of oil about every week and a half, two weeks. A week and a half. Yeah, you were, yeah. You were down in bed. You might oh, have been yeah. down a full cylinder. I, I remember while I was learning to drive in that car, uh, we had about Oh, clutch or automatic? Clutch automatic. Or automatic, okay. And uh, we had about a, a, a driveway that was probably close to 80 to 100 yards. Okay. So a very long driveway. So far, yeah. we would yards. try, my friend and I, his name was Rodney, he uh-huh. would get in there and he would say, light him up, Mike. And so we'd, we'd give it all <laughs> we got, but it would, it, would never, it would never spin the tires. So we finally figured out that if we would put it in reverse and get going in reverse and then drop it into drive <laughs> while we were going and punch it, <laughs> that it would squeal the tires. And, you know, and, and I still have no idea why there were any problems with that car. <laughs> yeah, like, who who would have thought that there could be transmission problems or who engine problems? I yeah. mean, 
yeah. it was such a great car, and it really broke my heart when it was time to go. It it didn't stay with me long. It only lasted about a year and a half. But I mean, a year years, and a half when yeah. you're were you 16 or were you 15? We got the, got the I car. was uh, I was right before I turned 16. Right before you turned 16, yeah. and it lasted a year and a half. But that's a long time when you're 16 years old. I mean, it's, I never wrecked it. Oh, that know, is astonishing. Yeah. I trashed it. I never uh, wrecked it. Never wrecked it. <laughs> yes, yes. I did a few other things with it, too. We went off-roading in it. Not good. Not good. <laughs> um, now, it's rear-wheel drive, right? The Cavalier. No, this is front-wheel drive. The 82 is a front-wheel drive, 1.8-liter four-cylinder from America, yeah. front-wheel drive, yeah, I automatic. Think I, I think all the Cavaliers were at that yeah, point. By then, they were all. Uh, you know, and then later on, they introduced like the, Caval- the, 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 the two-door Cavalier with the... I think it was the Z24. Z24, yeah. Yes, yes. Those were sweet. Oh, I wanted one. I Did designed you? for them. They were <laughs> you so know you cool. can get a Z24 for like 2200 bucks right now, and it I, would be mint. I, I mean, that would be it. a mint one. I believe it. Yeah, I don't know if there any still exist. I'll tell you what, there's one right now, really? and this is a true story. We're, we're going to use this on the podcast. The Lowe's in Carivo, right down the uh-huh. street, there's a guy who works there, has a Z24 Cavalier in the parking lot, in like... Sunset red copper, like Sweet. it's like, yeah. I mean, it's like the greatest color. That's awesome, though. I mean, that's a real throwback. There, you know, they don't make them anymore. And no, they do not. You realize that, like your classic car, if you were to buy, like, like some of the old guys who grew up in the sixties and early seventies that have muscle cars now, because that was their high school car. Oh, you realize your high school car is going to have to be a Cavalier. Derivative of some form. Obviously, the Z twenty four is probably what you go for, but yeah, I would. I'd rather go with an old Camaro or a, yeah. yeah. You know, maybe an old <laughs> just Corvette. say, just change the story. I mean, it's mm-hmm. gonna be on the podcast, but just change the story that you actually had a Camaro. <laughs> yeah. Now I do have a really tragic classic car story. That's not really my story, but I I witnessed it. Well, we're waiting. <laughs> so you witnessed? Oh God! Uh, here yeah, we go. So I went to a high school here in the Memphis area called Germantown High School. Okay, great place. Uh, we had well, relatively great place. Uh, we had uh, I think I want to say around four thousand students in the entire high big school. High school. Big school. Uh, my graduating class was about twelve hundred. Yeah, big school. Um, there was, when I was a, I, think I was either a sophomore or a junior, one of my classmates, William Morris, mm-hmm. his dad was really into restoring cars, and they had bought together a 1969 Mustang GT convertible, and they had put it back wow. together. It was beautiful. So, so this when is, is this? 90- this is in 1988, 89. 88, okay. Yeah. I was going to say 91, but okay, 88, 89. Okay. Yeah, so... Uh, he drove it every day. It was his daily driver. It was beautiful. Oh, my and, God. Uh, it, it was obviously it was a rear-wheel drive. had a decent engine, especially yeah. for the time. Um, and, uh, you know, there were other kids in school that had really nice cars as well. So uh, one of the uh, uh, kids that was a year or two older than us had a Chevrolet Corvette. Brand new Corvette. So this is a late 80s brand new Corvette. Yeah, yeah. So both right. had, uh, you know the time of their lives in, in those cars and uh, until one fateful day in the parking lot at the high school <laughs> they crashed into each other and because what? of the nature of their cars both were totaled they went wow. right smack nobody was hurt 
but except for their cars and their feelings. So are they drag racing? They're rallying around the parking lot. They're being think, idiots. Yeah, What's I think the they're deal? Just being idiots. Both just of be- them were, were spinning their tires and you know trying to get sideways and all that fun stuff. And they end up crashing crash into, into each, each other. Yeah. True story. True wow. Story. Yeah. I'm like heartbroken. I can't even think of this scenario <laughs> happening to me. You know, so. that Mustang won awards because wow. it was restored so So it wasn't that good. And yeah. then smashed in. Well, I'm sure there's tons of people with the same kind of stories. Sure. High school is a destructive place for the automobile. That's why I can't believe your first car survived. It now, did. did you sell it? when you with, To end the first car kind of uh, question, did you sell it? What was the end of it? I, I sort of did. I, I wound up trading it in on a uh, 1980, I think it was an 89 uh, or maybe a 1990 LeBaron. Honda Civic CRX. Oh, the high fuel efficiency model. Wow, sixty-two horsepower. Sixty-two horsepower. Yes, but uh, I received. But that was the end. That was the end of that first car. Two hundred and fifty dollars for trading value for it. Wow. Um, I was not happy or pleased with that, but there wasn't really a whole lot I could do. Isn't it amazing how vivid you remember, like your car transactions? I mean, this is a while ago. Like. This is 2016, the last few days of 2016. You're remembering that 250 bucks on that first car transaction. from Like it was yesterday. Like you, you remember the guy who was staring at you when he offered you 250 and you were like, do I take it? Yeah. Do I talk him up on it? Like, what's the deal? I can do? That's and right. That's, that's right. the greatest thing about cars. Yeah. Like, you always remember your first car and kind of the beginning and end. Well, if we've got a minute for one other story, yeah, I, yeah, I've got a nice yeah, one for you, so... This is a high, high, strong podcast. So Absolutely, it's very exciting, very exciting. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so when I did trade in the Cavalier for the CRX, yeah. the Cavalier was an automatic. The CRX was a manual five-speed. Okay, I had driven a, a manual a few times, but not really. And so I, <laughs> I get in the car, and the guy says, Mike, "At the dealership." At the dealership, the guy says, "Mike, this is your car now. Do you know how to drive it?" And I said, "You know." I'm not really sure, you know, maybe run through it with me real quick. Oh, it's simple, Mike. Don't worry about it. I got you covered. So the guy says to me, okay, when you're ready to go, you crank the engine with your foot on the clutch, you put it in gear, you let your other foot off the brake, you start giving gas, and you let your foot off the clutch. When you're going as fast as you can go in first gear, you put the foot back on the clutch, you let off the gas, you shift. You put your foot back on the gas, you let off the clutch when you repeat. So after having my new car for about, I don't know, eight, nine months, guess what? New clutch. New clutch. (laughs) (laughs) As fast as it will go in first gear. I am quoting you here. I, or I'm quoting the sales guy here. I mean, that's exactly what he said. As fast as you can go. And I, somehow in the back of my mind, I knew that maybe he wasn't really 100% 100% accurate in his driving instructions. But the first time I, I came near redlining that little car, yeah, I was I was hooked. Really? Yeah, well, it does kind of. It's got that. It's got that very, very long uh, band of power, yeah, yeah. if you can call it power, in that car. But that was really the only way to really get to get it, to get up and go. Was you needed all to, 62 horses in that thing, for sure. Horses, yeah. <laughs> But hey, you could pop the clutch and smoke those tires anytime you wanted to. Oh my god. Now is the CRX, is it a rear wheel drive? 
front it's wheel. still front wheel drive. Yeah. Okay, because I know they the Honda they had a hatchback that's like a rear wheel drive kind of configuration. But yeah, that was not real familiar with it. Yeah, but. that was a, a, a quite a bit older for their their like uh, late seventies, uh, very really? early eighties. Yeah. Wow. All right. Okay, so you own a BMW. I do. Where did the brand love for BMW come from? Because this isn't your first BMW, or if it is, you definitely picked a very specific one. There's the performance oriented. I'll let you go into it, but it's not the 325i four cylinder. Yeah. So, so tell me, tell me how it all happened. Interestingly enough, I've I've always appreciated BMWs most of my life. I remember when I was a little boy still living in the Netherlands, my uncle had a BMW. My dad had a Volvo. Um, of course he had a Volvo. <laughs> years later, uh, my dad got a BMW. He got a 325xi with a manual okay. transmission. Um, loved it. And uh, thought it was fantastic. Drove amazing for such a small. It had the straight six cylinder, the three liter, I believe. Okay. Um, and uh, they detuned them at that during that model year because it was the same engine as the three thirty, mm-hmm. but they they tuned them down so, so like they, get to the different model kind yeah. of price point. Yeah. Um, my brother drives a BMW M three. Didn't know um, that. And uh, he's uh, he's done some work to it. He, what he, year is the M three? His is a uh, 2008. Okay, yeah. Um, when my dad passed, I really thought about buying his old 325, but uh, we decided to sell it instead. Okay. Um, oh, so we still had that car from like way back. Yeah. So that's the thing about the South. These cars hang around for so long. They do. They don't rust. Yeah, they, yeah. You know, As long as you take good care of them. Uh, so I always appreciated and enjoyed the uh, the BMWs, the, the brand, uh, the quality of the way they're put together, um, the way that even their most luxurious of vehicle mm-hmm. has a sporty feel to it. It's not, yeah. you know, a lot of people compare the BMW to a Mercedes or to a Lexus. Yeah. Uh, but when you really look at those, you know, BMW, in my opinion, and, and I, I respect other people's opinions may vary. In my opinion, uh, the best combination of luxury along with sport is with BMW. It's BMW, yeah. Well, they do uh, make the ultimate driving machine. The right? ultimate, and if you get a convertible, it's the ultimate tanning machine. <laughs> so, so, so why your specific car? What model? And quickly, well, what was yeah, the story? It, it took me a lot of years to get past that BMW stigma. You know, when you see uh, your typical BMW driver, you kind of say. <laughs> There goes an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse my French. Uh, and, you know, and I really didn't want to be associated with that. Uh, but at a certain point in my life and in everyone's life, you kind of let that go and you say, you know yeah, what? Yeah. I don't care what anybody else thinks. I, right. I want to drive what I want to drive. So I always enjoyed the, the 5 Series, um, especially the F10 version that, uh, that I drive. Right. Uh, it has the elongated hood. Uh, so you really get a sense of speed, even when it's sitting still. Uh, the way that the the doors are designed, uh, where there are no straight north and south lines on that car. They're That's true. all slanted, so that even when it's sitting still, it looks like it's going it, it fast. It has that illusion of speed. It, it really does. Stopped. Yeah. Somehow. Yeah. 
So, so from a design perspective, I knew I really wanted an F10. I didn't want a three series because it was just a little too small for my taste. Mm-hmm. I didn't want a seven series. I mean, you're a tall guy too. I mean, you're not like I'm about six five, two. You're yeah. a tall guy. So, so I, I looked at the seven series, but mm-hmm. I didn't want to spend that kind of money on on a car. Big, yeah. Uh, and so I, I settled on the five series. So I went and I drove a five twenty eight. Okay. Uh, which is you know, it's now, it's a good car, but it's a four-cylinder with a single turbo. Mm-hmm. The 535 is a straight six with two turbos. That's and the right. 550 is a V8 with two turbos. And, of course, the M5 is also a V8 with two turbos, but right. bored out and uh, much bigger turbos. Um and a little added suspension in there as well. There might be some difference between the Just 550 a, and, the, yeah. and the M5. <laughs> little, little subtle. I think it's about 40 grand in price difference. In, and it's indeed. already up there. Yes, so. yes. So, you know, I wanted, uh, I, I, it was kind of like, uh, you know, trying out for, you know, when, uh, when, when the bears look for their porridge, you know. Yeah. One was too hot. One was too cold. This one was just right. And that was the 550. Uh, it had the the power that I was looking for. I wanted a zero to sixty in sub five seconds. Yeah, uh, I've never had. You can a go sub before. five seconds. What's four, it like four nine or something? Four eight. Four eight. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Uh, it has the, the way the turbos are set up. They're sequential, so even when it, at the slower rates, there's a little bit of turbo. There is still some lag, like in all turbo models. Yeah. Um, but uh, boy, it really picks up once those RPMs start getting up. Yeah, I mean, know. it's lose your license speed in about. 4.9 seconds after you've hit 60 Indeed. at 4.8. It's lose your license after 4.95 yes. seconds. Yeah, so I, I've, I've, I really liked the model. I researched it. Uh, I knew that there would be some minor reliability issues. I knew there would be some... Minor reliability yeah. issues in an older, luxury, high-performance mm-hmm. vehicle. I can't imagine that happening. That's right. That's right. This is BMW build quality we're talking about. Yeah. Well, the quality is wonderful. You know, the... The the leather seats in my now six nice. and a half year old vehicle they are, nice. are they look like it rolled off the factory showroom That's true. yesterday. The paint looks great, um, you know, other than the few little scratches that I've provided for it. Um, you know, That's patina. Exactly. Patina. Exactly. So yeah, so that that's really, you know, it was about you know, the brand, the feel of driving it with the sport luxury. And then the look, you know. Yeah, you, it, like, it, you actually like the design of that I, I, sloping, longer sloping roof and the big longer hood on the front. Absolutely. One of the things that we wanted to do is finally get into Alpha. And of course, I know you're obviously, we all know now that you're a big BMW fan. Alpha Romeo uh, had an iconic car competing with the BMW at the time. The BMW, of course, is the 2002 TII, and the Alfa Romeo is the Alfa Romeo GTV 2000. Um, very similarly horsepower kind of cars, but totally different design between the two cars. Uh, what was, or what is your, I'm, of course, going to talk about the Alfa ones, but what are the, design aspects of the BMW 2002 TII that like stick out that make a difference in that car well certainly for me uh, the, the initial thing that jumps out at me is that that iconic kidney grill 
on the on the 2002. That's right. It's it's much boxier uh, as we've talked about before. Um, but even even the the grill is boxier. It's more of a rectangular square shape. Mm-hmm. Um, but it still exists today, although round. Right. Um, the 550 and, has the kidney, the two kidney grill in the yeah, front. I it mean. certainly does. And uh, as we also talked about, you know, this was really, in my opinion, and, and well, not even opinion, this was really the the forerunner of the original three series, which eventually grew into a five series, and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, when you look at uh, 2002 today, when uh, when you look at a restored one and yep. some of the things that they do with it, uh, where they shave the bumpers. Uh, where they really clean it up and get it very much like the original design intended it to look. Yeah, so none They're, of the safety bumpers, none of the plastic kind of add-on right. trim and stuff. But that's right. Just yep. the shape is what you're talking the about. The shape, yeah, and and the 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 clean lines of it. Um, it it's really almost uh, like a little block pointed forward uh, going through uh, your, the air, cutting. Through yeah, the yeah. Air. Uh, and it's a very simple design, but it's very clean and, and very nice design. Um, I've I've enjoyed it. I, I feel like I'm babbling now, though, about the okay. design. So. It's all right. It's all right. Now, if you take that concept, you take that block design. Now, these these two cars competed not so much at the same price point. The Alpha was about you know, 20, 25% more expensive, but definitely on performance figures, they were in the same realm. Mm-hmm. Uh, both had 130 horsepower, both did zero to 60 between, you know, nine and nine and a half seconds. And, you know, both are European performance luxury cars. So no, not luxury. I guess they're both performance cars at that time. I wouldn't call them luxury, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, Alpha being Italian, the 2002 being German, they they competed. I mean, there were two cars from Europe. Uh, so at the end, we got to obviously pick which one you would like. At the end, that's where I'm going with this. Ah. Uh, so think about that as I'm de- describing Gregorio's design on the Alpha. Now I'm at an advantage because I I know a lot a lot more about the design of the Alpha than I know about the BMW. But we'll what, what are you trying to there. say? Ian? I don't know. What I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to say you got to pick the Alpha. Yeah, that's where I'm going with this. So the Alpha, if you don't know, the Alfa Romeo GTV 2000, um, it's a car that at that time, you remember it's 1974, the 2002 comes out, has that much more modern, boxy design. The Alpha is the throwback. I mean, it's the big curved lines of the 60s, early 60s, still carrying on into mid-1974, and people are looking at it on the showroom like, this thing is washed up i mean the design is old it has a lot of curves on it it's missing that angularity that defined the late 70s and through the kind of late 80s that 10 years of of wedge design and angular design it doesn't have any of that i mean it's all those smooth curves of the 60s uh it's obviously a coupe car like the some of the 2002 versions were and um, from the front, it has four headlights in the front with a fly, what's called a flying saucer design from the side and from above. So if you look kind of from the side and from above, you'll see that the car bulges at the middle of the car and creates a saucer effect, meaning you know it's like a flying saucer. So that, that bulge in the middle of the car rather than at the front or at the end 
creates this weird effect that you don't see in modern cars today. There are not many cars with a bulge in the middle that, right. that kind of extend the car out. They're, they're more either at the front or making mm-hmm. them taller or wider or longer, yeah. but not really a, a saucer effect. So that's really unique on that car. Um, the rear end, as you come around, they got a little bit away from the simple lights of the early 60s and started adding on more and more lights at the back of the car. So they're about, you know, as long as a checkerboard on each side of the car, these these lights that they have on there by, by the mid-70s. Um, so the lights aren't that great on the Alpha, especially the later ones. But same thing as the BMW. You get rid of the bumpers on the back and the front, clean up and get back to the original design that the designers wanted you to see in the metal and got rid of the safety equipment yes. and the bolt-on junk that they put on there, you get back to that original silhouette and there's two striking differences on that big like curve, that flying saucer design versus the BMW's like boxy shoebox kind of right. style cutting through the air with a brick <laughs> versus yep. cutting yep. through the air with like some smooth lines. Yeah, yeah. Um... The interiors, I think both interiors of both cars are very similar. You know, the, all the, obviously the, the um, classic gauges and you still had oil pressure and temperature mm-hmm. and um, fuel, obviously. Yeah. But none of it had been digitized. I mean, it, it's still all mechanical gauges up until that point and yeah. still all yeah. uh, mostly metal interior of the car. You know, there's not, there's no plastic on the interior of the car for both of them. Right. It's either leather like a cardboard leatherette thing on top of it for like the dash or whatever. Mm-hmm. But there's no big giant pieces of plastic that haven't started yet at all. Um, so those are the two cars. You know, very similar in price, very similar in uh, in um, performance, but um, you get to the design in totally different designs. Now, y- you've seen both cars up close, so I'm wondering like money, no object... Uh, what, what are you going for in the end, you know? Well, I, I feel like I have to qualify it just a little bit before I can say which typical, one I, typical I choose. Okay. Of course, of course. <laughs> oh, but what, what you're really talking about, in my opinion, is the what separates the Italians from the Germans. When you think about Italians, you think about design, you think about elegance, you think about Speed. You think about they design a few things. Yeah, mean, yeah. To be honest, and and most of those things are of a fashionable nature. You know, they're they're appealing to the eye. When you think about what the Germans designed, you don't think about the same things. You think That's about true. you know efficiency, sturdy, you know, perhaps powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, but certainly, you know, when you think about you know, if you were to pick who designed this block. Well, you probably picked the German guy. And if yeah, who, yeah. who designed this beautiful round curve thing, well, it would probably be the Italian guy. Yeah, you know? yeah. Uh, so That's a good point. Uh, with all those wonderful points made, I'm a BMW guy. I'm Dude, sorry. I can't, <laughs> I can't convert you. can't convert you to this. No, no. So not going to happen. But I, I will say that I can appreciate uh, the design cues, uh, the, the power, um, the performance, and, you know, the original thought that, that brought both of these two models to bear, which was, you know, affordable, sporty power mm-hmm. uh, with, with a little performance, with the hints of early luxury built in there, but not overly done, mm-hmm. uh, and, and which very much rings true in 
what, uh, what, what we still see today, uh, where they're still building luxury sport cars. Um, I think Alpha has, you know, maybe moved from that here and there. Uh, Alpha is very while. confused yes. throughout the years. Yes. They don't know. From about 1982 or three. Yeah, up until you know, about last year. Yeah, about nothing. Not. It was yeah. about nothing. There's not much to go on, you know, yeah. from what they were yeah. thinking, because we don't even have the cars in the U.S. But uh, if you compare, like, the classics that establish the designs for the brands, which is what we're doing here, it's competitive. You know, it's at least remotely in the same realm. Um, it'll be interesting, because the Alpha... Um, Julia is coming out. It's already out, technically, but nobody has their cars. Few, few, few people are getting their cars now. They've got the Julia Quadrifoglio, which is an M3 competitor, for sure. 505 horsepower in the Alpha. Yeah, yeah. Who knows? I don't know. I, don't, I think the M3 is still, and the M2 certainly, is still the better car because it has the lineage. It has the, the constant development. Yeah. And it's the, yeah, it's like the gold standard, right? But the Alpha has a competitive car again, you know. So it'd be interesting. Maybe, maybe if we in another year from now, when a Quadrifoglio is even here and available in the U.S., we can go and get an M3 and get a Quadrifoglio and try it out. And see what Let's happens. Just go pick up a couple. You yeah, know? yeah. Like I mean, you just just go yeah. just go flip, flip trade in the cars we've yeah, got no and, and pick up an no M3. We we'll just we'll pay, pay cash. No problem. No, we got that. Cool. Thanks so much. In the podcast today, I just want to say you can contact me again at alfaromeopodcast at gmail.com. Please, please drive interesting cars. Life is too short to miss out on the experience and fun of driving something awesome. See you next week.